Hello and welcome to the latest installment of PSG Talking. I'm your host Ed and on today's episode we're going to be talking about PSG's 3-1 win over Lons, the latest on Christophe Gaultier, and talk a little uh, summer transfers. But first let's bring in Ethan from PSG Fan Club Boise. Thanks for coming on once again. Glad to have you here. How's everything going? And more importantly, how does it feel to be blocked on Twitter by the official Marseille account? Oh, that's funny that you brought that up. Yeah. Yeah, it's going good, man. That was a, a good win yesterday. A little bit of a, a funky game. Uh, you know, the red card kind of changed everything real early. Real early. But yeah, I'm uh, I'm just happy that we, we've weathered the storm and looks like we should be cruising to a, another Liga title. And uh, yeah, regarding getting blocked by Marseille, um, yeah, one, one of the greatest honors of my life so far. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, feels, I tweeted you that I, I'm good. really uh, I'm trying to follow your lead there, and they had their new anniversary kit of that fraudulent Champions League, and I said if anyone's looking for toilet paper, go ahead and pick. Yes, one I saw that. But yeah, that didn't get yeah, it blocked yet. <laughs> no, and I well because it was. It, I doubt that their official Twitter probably saw that, you know, because that was some other. Yeah, I saw that you posted that. Um, yeah, pretty funny. I saw another edit where uh, someone just had a uh, an edited version of the jersey, and it had Bernard Tappy's face on it on the front, and then the back was just a bunch of dollar bills. So oh, that, uh, yeah, it's, it was pretty funny. I don't know who made that, but props to them. Yeah, you would think that they would just kind of like keep that, you know, in the past instead of bringing that that whole thing up because they don't. We have lots of I... questions. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. They they really revere. I don't know. I've always wondered. I've always asked people, how do they think that that was you know legitimately won? But I mean, I feel like if you know if we had, yeah, I don't know. It, it's ridiculous. But you know, whatever. They, they I guess they need something to uh, find joy in their lives. You know, as they're currently about to go trophyless for I don't know the thirteenth straight season. Oof. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to see where the. Uh, I'm just looking up the the table standings here. They're in second place, but, you know, Lons is, is right behind them, and even Monaco could yeah. nip them, so it would be nice to not see them in Europe. Um, all right, Ethan, let's just dive into the 3-1 win over Lons. You mentioned it was on uh, Saturday. We're recording this podcast on Sunday, April 16th, during your Lakers game. Um, but it was actually a pretty even match at the Parc de Prince, as you uh, hinted at, until about the 19th minute when... Uh, Salah's Abdul Samed, hopefully I pronounced that correctly, he nearly broke Akraf Hakimi's leg. It really wasn't a, a funny or a laughing matter. I mean, it was a serious tackle. It was a straight red. Um, so he was he was sent off, and then PSG, kind of like a, a shark who smells blood in the water, PSG attacked, and they scored about three goals in the span of, what, nine minutes? And so it was Kylian Mbappe scored the first, then Vitinha got his first as a member of PSG, and then Lionel Messi capped off what I thought was just a brilliant move by PSG. Great pass by Mbappe uh, to basically put PSG beyond reach. So I say all that, Ethan, what did you like from this match? What didn't you like? What stood out to you? Yeah, I'll start with what I did like. Uh, like you said, when when we went a man up, uh, we we definitely knew you know how to play against them then and, and definitely took the fight to them. Uh, but in the first 
you know, 19 minutes before the red, we saw that Lons was pressing better than us. They were um, like, they were looking pretty good in, in all, uh, all facets. Like they were looking solid and uh, Don Ruma had to make a save or two to not make sure it was, uh, you know, prevent it from being one Oh uh, early to, to Lons. But overall, uh, solid game. Uh, not our best game. I think I cannot remember exactly which match I'm thinking of, but I know a couple weeks ago, I think it was the match against Ren uh, that we lost 2-0. This honestly kind of felt like that match to me, except instead of uh, Ren scoring all their great chances and us scoring none, it was sort of reverse. I feel like we honestly didn't play you know, vastly better or worse than in that game. It's just this game we really took our chances being a man up. And in the Ren game, we just kind of lost. But, I mean, really, we've only lost or, or uh, you know, dropped significant points to the teams that are in the top seven for the table. So we knew this is going to be a tough one. But, um, yeah, they uh, Lon's got a bit, you know, they could I, – I, from the beginning, I think they kind of smelled blood in the water from that pretty good chance uh, a couple minutes in where, like I said, Don Room had to make the save. And from there on, I just think they were trying to press us like crazy, try and force a turnover uh, in our own third. And uh, that's kind of where that red came from. They were just almost getting too aggressive in that tackling. And uh, and that Lons guy, yeah, he, he could have really uh, hurt Hakimi. That could have been a season ender for sure. But yeah, yeah. Um, it's almost like, I feel like it's just like that game against um, – was it the one that we barely uh i think stad brestois we won 2-1 late goal i feel like teams they almost get uh you know too confident against us feeling that we're a bit weak and them going for the win or or, or pressing the issue more than they typically would against the average psg side has unfortunately worked out uh, against them in these cases so like the stad brestois they were going for the win there a couple weeks ago and for the first time the whole game, we were able to hit him on the counter and Mbappe got the late winner. Uh, today, like I said, it's almost like they they were trying to press us so hard that it uh, you know just caused a nearly serious injury to Hakimi. So I don't know, kind of a funny situation, but it's almost like us being weaker or feeling weaker uh, than, than typical, you know, Liga PSG teams uh, worked in our favor in these games, but I will take it. Yeah, certainly take it. Um, definitely would echo a lot of your points. I think what I like, obviously the scoreline, I, I like Mbappe and Messi scoring, especially that, the goal that Messi scored, that pass from Mbappe. That's the kind of football that I want to see, that I know PSG supporters want to see. That intricate passing, excellent movement, precision finishing. That's what we need on steroids. We need a lot more of that kind of goal scoring. And we just haven't had enough of it, not only this season, but going back to the Pochettino era, if you can even call it an era. But um, yeah, that, I just want to see more of that type of football. And, and with the players that PhD have in the squad, we certainly should be treated to more goals like that. Um, what I didn't like, I thought in the midfield, um, uh, goal.com gave Carlos Soler a 5 out of 10, and the comment was allegedly on the pitch. If he is not gone this summer, um, we have serious problems. He, I think he's completely useless at PSG. And, and Fabian Ruiz, he gave away the penalty for Lanza's only goal. I mean, it was kind of a, a little bit silly. Maybe not much he could do there with it. But 
Um, still, I just don't think he's a, a PSG starting quality midfielder. I think he's another one that probably needs to go. Which one of those? Uh, it was reported that Nasser just brought him in because some club was having financial difficulty. Which which one was it? Uh, well, Fabian Ruiz was, was bought from Napoli. I'm pretty sure Carlos, Carlos Soler came must, from Valencia, though. I think it was Soler. I think it was Soler that the Nasser was doing a favor or something. But yeah. Yeah, so I did not like either one of those um, in the midfield. I just, I just think they they gotta they gotta go. Um, but I thought Nuno Mendes was played really well. Our defense is still a little shaky. I was just looking at the stats here. Um, both teams had seven shots on target, and PSG had a man advantage for much of the game. That probably shouldn't happen. And and PSG only had one more shot. Uh, total shot than Lons. So Lons was still very dangerous. They got a goal in the second half. They were still attacking. It didn't even matter that they were down a man. Uh, PSG could not sort of put their foot on their throat and just kind of end it. They they kind of invited pressure and just, I guess, maybe did, weren't concentrating the full time. But I think that if this team was a little bit, you know, if Lons had a little bit more talent, I think if they were um, at full strength, that PSG certainly would have had trouble with with Lons. I think that this could have very much been a draw. So they got lucky with that red card. But we'll take the points. PSG, one step closer. I saw that you had tweeted out. Do you want to give a rundown on on the point situation? If you need a second to pull up your tweet. Um, oh just, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just how so. many how many games left? How many points they need? I know we're playing four teams that are kind of in the lower half of the table. Mm-hmm. So it it should be pretty much done and dusted at this point but where do we stand yeah so uh i'm i'm not gonna try and search through and find my exact tweet but um basically uh i think we're at 72 points now uh i think marseille's game that's going on as we're recording probably just finished and i'm sure they beat while they were up 2-0 right before we started recording um so they probably won they're at what 63 points or something we're at uh no they're at 64 we're at 72 so we're eight points clear Although Marseille still have to play Lyon and they have to play Lons. So Lons, Marseille in like two, three weeks, that'll probably be the decider for who's going to get second. Um, Whereas, you know, so they don't have like the most insane schedule. It's not like they're playing every team in the top, you know, five or six, but uh, much tougher schedule than us. We still have to play Auxerre, who is battling relegation. I think they're in 14th or 15th. And then we also have the teams that are all the bottom four right now. So we've got uh, Angers, who's next week. They're bottom of the table. They're basically already relegated. Um, And then we have Ajaccio, and um, I can't remember who else is on 21 points, but um, I can't remember, but we're playing, I don't know, them and then Strasbourg, I think, is also in 16. So those should all be fairly... Yeah, yeah. And um, really, the only games against mid-table teams we have left are uh claremont's doing well this year mm-hmm. and we have Lorient, and that's it but uh i think based on how tough the other team's schedules are and the fact that i think marseille have seven games left and they are uh, eight points behind us i don't see them hitting 80 points so i think 80 will probably win the league for us which that's just three wins and a draw away uh, maybe if they play real well we'd need 83 or something but uh, we could easily finish with uh, 87 or more to end the season. So I think if if we lost the league now, it'd be probably like the biggest choke job ever, probably worse than any Champions League choke job we've had, just given 
we've, I mean, we've got all these teams that are fighting for their lives and you know, they're going to play more aggressive than normal because they can't really settle for draws anymore. Yeah. Uh, they're going to have to be going for wins. So just like the Stad Brestois game, they're going to be playing too ambitious and I'm, I'm sure Mbappe is going to score a lot here at the end. So probably 80 is what's going to win the league for us. Maybe like 82, but that's only eight, 10 points away. So it should be relatively straightforward. I might need to uh, get online and see if I can get a ticket for that away match at Trois because I don't know if you saw the photo. Photo they've got like a hot tub at, at the one end of the stadium. Yes, I've just seen that. Like hang out and, and watch a game. I, I would mind seeing you know Mbappe banging some goals while chilling in the hot tub. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, I have seen that. That'd be so funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that. great. People, no, yeah, uh, no. I was just gonna say people thought that was strange, but like we've had that for years here in America with like the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think they have a pool. Didn't the Marlins at some point? A lot of the Florida teams, anyway, they have pools. In yes, stadiums. they do. Yeah, yeah. And I, I saw some photo today. It was, I think it was Angers versus uh, Claremont earlier today. It was happening real early while we were. Everyone here in the U.S. was probably still asleep, but. Uh, Anger, I think it was at Anger and they're dead last. They're 15 points behind safety, so they're getting relegated. So attendance was bad, but there was a group of guys. I can't remember which side, you know, who they were supporting, but a bunch of dudes uh, during a penalty uh, were mooning uh, the penalty taker today right behind the goal. And uh, people posted that photo as well. So if you want to add funny Liga photos, uh, make an album, just start with the Twa hot tub. And the Claremont Angers, you know, group of ten dudes, uh, bare butt mooning uh, the player taking the penalty. So that'd be a good, good, that'd be a good start to that album. Yeah, and, and of course, yeah. every game starts with a Uber Eats delivery driver bringing the ball. There's just so much. To oh love about my this gosh, that I forgot game. about. How did I forget about that? Yes, the little car going out every time. It's yeah. So oh good. man, I, I I love this league. Yeah, <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't give it up for anything in the world. No, you, you can have your Premier League. We'll, we'll have our fun down in the French League for sure. Exactly, um, exactly. Unfortunately, we have to switch from all this fun and talk about something very, very serious. So on the sideline for PSG was Christophe Gaultier, who earlier this week had become uh, became the target of very serious ac- accusations. Uh, the situation boils down to an email that was written by Julian Fournier. He's a former director of football at Nice, and he wrote this email to David Brailsford, who is the sporting director of Nice's owners, Ineos. So in that email, Fournier alleged that Gaultier made very racist remarks about his team at Nice. So Fournier alleges that Gaultier told him he needs to take account the reality of the city and that we, you know, quote, we couldn't have so many blacks and Muslims in the team, unquote, um, you know, he's talking about Ramadan and fasting. And so all of this has come out in an email. Um, keep in mind, this wasn't an email from Gaultier. This is what he allegedly said. And then Fournier relayed that in an email. So Gaultier has denied these allegations and has actually taken legal action against um, some of those outlets and reporters who reported this uh, email and the contents of the email. Um Ethan, Mark Damon and I, another PSG Talk contributor, we did a long episode on this single topic. So we won't get into the weeds of it too much. Um, My question for you is, how do you see this whole situation playing out? Because there's no doubt that it does make sacking Gaultier at this point a little bit more difficult. Because now you have this whole situation and is PSG sacking him because of performance reason? Or is it because of these alleged comments? So just curious how you see this whole situation playing out. 
Oh, as far as oh, that's a tough one. Um, I mean, I think by the time that the season ends, uh, in you know, I think our last league on game is is beginning in June. I think whatever this was will have probably uh, calmed down. Um, even if it's true, even if it's you know, even if this gets really complicated, we just know uh, with you know the way the news cycle works and everything, uh, this will die down whether what Galtier said is true or not. So. Um, obviously, if what he said is true, then that's uh, just not acceptable. And given the fact that PSG have, uh, you know, Qatari owners and in a large, large part of the, part of the international fan base is uh, is Muslim, and uh, not to mention just people all around the world uh, regarding the the racism. You know, his comment on, um, you know, uh, what he said for uh, quote unquote blacks. Um, I, yeah, just not acceptable if he said that. Uh, I, I feel like it's just going to be a uh, his word against, you know, it'll be just people's words against each other. I don't, I don't know if they're actually going to be able to prove what happened, but, um, regardless of that, I'm not going to get into the legal, you know, really legal stuff of it, but I think it's going to die down by the time that, uh, the Liga season ends. And uh, I don't expect Galtier to get, you know, stay anyway, but, um, I think that if PSG have to make a statement on it, they're just going to say it's because of, uh, you know, the, the league, you know, we didn't perform as we wanted in the Champions League. Um, I know there have been concerns with how he's uh, had favorable treatment towards certain players. People are concerned about that, whether that's true or not. And then as well as uh, just some of his training tactics and just what, what they do in uh, training and, and uh, yeah, all that. So I, I don't anticipate that if he gets fired, uh, it will be or that PSG will state it's directly because of these comments and quotes, but um, it's hard to say deep down it, it might be. Um, but if, uh, I mean, it's hard to tell what's going to go, you know, happen behind the scenes, but um, my guess is uh, they, they would, they would claim it's because of his uh, the team's performance on the pitch and not because of this, but who knows, I guess we will uh, find out, but what, do you have any other, uh, you know, take on this? I know you just said you spoke about it a bunch yesterday, but yeah, yeah, anything that I, you guys said there that I did not touch on at all? There, there was one, um, and if you want to listen to the podcast, we'll have it up probably later today over on PSG Talks uh, Substack. So go ahead and uh, free subscription there, and you can listen to that. But Mark Damon had a really good point. He thought that maybe PSG would go to Gaultier and say, "Look, you, you can just maybe resign." And handle your legal situation and clear your name, and then I'm sure you'll get another job in football. Or we can do our due diligence, start digging around, start looking for emails, start talking to people, talking to former players, and we can make this very uncomfortable for you because um, everything's going to come out if we start digging. And Mark was was basically saying, I would imagine Gaultier would probably just resign instead of risking psg finding something that could be out there or that could be misconstrued or something like that so i thought that was a really clever take he also said that there's some rumors going around that maybe nice's owners leaked this because they're kind of going up against uh qatari uh ownership over at manchester united in terms of who's going to buy them there's something going on because this is a weird time to leak the story it's not like psg are going into a big champions league night or anything it's a very odd time to leak something like this. And you always got to think about like who's benefiting and all that. I don't think there's any doubt that it came from the Nisa side and both teams just played. 
some something's funny about it about the timing of it and and there has been quite a bit reported about Gaultier at that time you know about Ramadan and the fasting and and how he maybe he doesn't prefer it um we know that Fournier had had gone on I think it was last September October sometime like that in 2022 and he said you know if something if I told you why Gaultier and I have you know issues then he wouldn't be able to step into a dressing room ever again so like with all that going around I'm inclined to believe that there's there's some truth to what was in that email and and whether Gaultier is you know flat out racist or ignorant or whatever it might be there's something going on here that I just don't like and so I hope for PSG and the club's sake and moving forward to next season that Gaultier maybe just steps aside and resigns I think that's what would be best for all parties. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, that's fair. Although I'm wondering, um, yeah, Mark's takes, I think were a lot more well put together than mine. Um, but I think um, I, I'm wondering if, you know, he wouldn't want to resign because that might be some sort of uh, admission seen as an admission of guilt. Um, you know, if he thinks if I resign, that means that, I'm basically saying I did something wrong, even if maybe he he didn't. But um, maybe he doesn't want I, to be I a did... distraction. He could say like, "Hey, I'm stepping aside. Yeah. I, I've become a distraction. That sort of thing." Yeah. Okay. I guess that would make more sense. But um, you know, one thing that I do want to uh, point on. I, I know I don't want to get into whether it's true or not. You know, I'm, I'm not going to dive into uh, racial issues. And you know, I don't know Gaultier's heart. I don't know his. You know, it, what's going on in his head deep down. But I do think it was interesting that a, a couple players have come forward and defended him. I know uh, Burak Yilmaz, that was uh, his star striker, a Turkish striker at, at Lille, the season that they won Liga. He came out and defended him. So, and Burak is uh, uh, outly, you know, he's adamantly. Um, it's very publicly known that he's he's Muslim. So, I don't know. I I really don't know what to think on it. But um, yeah, maybe maybe the way you said, yeah, I don't want to be a distraction. That. If if he's worried about something coming out, I actually I think I agree with you. That would probably be the best way to to go about that. Yeah, it certainly would be um, easiest for PSG and you know PSG do have some Muslim players in the team. It would be nice to hear from them. Um, Hakimi, I believe, is Muslim. Uh, Kempembe mm-hmm. as well yep. might be. I know Mbappe's mother, I think, is Muslim. So. You know, have it'd be nice to talk to those players, but obviously they're they're not going to get involved in in this and or say anything. Um, so I don't know. We'll just have to put a pin in it and see what happens. Ethan, let me just to wrap up this conversation. If he does resign or is sacked at the end of the season, we know Nagelsmann is out there. Um, there's a couple other managers. There was a report Mourinho might be interested. Zidane is always kind of floating out there as a potential. I mean, is there a manager out there that you would that you kind of have your eye on? Yeah. So some people might call me a bit uh, a bit crazy. For, I just know some people have really hot takes on who they want as our next manager, assuming Galtier is gone. But um, and I feel like these are very different styles. So I feel like this is really down to. Uh, I trust in Campos as our sporting advisor to make these kind of decisions. And hopefully this isn't just Nasser making the decision because I think it's kind of proven that uh, the QSI wing or the, the Qatari wing of um, leadership here doesn't, uh, they miss more than they, they get stuff right. So I would love if, if Campos could take a bigger role at the club and, and kind of work through this, but 
I feel like Nagelsmann could be a, a very good choice. Um, we are seeing, you know, what's happening at Bayern right now as soon as Tuchel jumped in and maybe why showing that, you know, jumping ship or changing manager mid-season is, is not ideal, especially if you're playing pretty well. But We're going to Nagels- talk about that Nagelsmann wrap could up be show. good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nagelsmann could be good, but I think deep down I'm really wondering, I'm very curious to see how a Jose Mourinho-led PSG team could work. I know there are a lot of people at Real Madrid uh, you know, for, back from his time there about 12, 13 years ago, something like that. And a lot of Real Madrid fans attribute their success and their current mentality. They they attribute it to uh, that Jose Mourinho laid the foundation for that kind of mindset. You know, I, we've seen how clutch they can be in Champions League matches. They just kind of got that dog in a mentality. And um, they, as some people joke last year, they uh, they just win with the power of friendship. Um, so those kind of teams, I, I feel like if Real Madrid fans will go out and attribute that success to him, even though he's a bit of a controversial figure from his time there, I think that says a lot about him. So I don't know, but I, I feel like Mourinho at PSG would either be a smashing success or it would be a catastrophic failure. So whether we're willing to roll the dice on that and maybe go for someone that's a safer bet like Nagelsmann or I don't want Antonio Conte, but someone like Antonio Conte, uh, I don't know. It's I wonder how, how dangerous we're going to play the game here. Yeah. Angelotti might be available. Um, yeah. We, Ooh, we, I don't see him coming back to PSG. I don't, yeah. back from, no, back from his time uh, at here in Paris, I don't think he trusts QSI at all, which if one of the greatest managers of all time that is coached at the club does not trust the QSI leadership, then uh, – I think that tells a lot about our current, you know, ownership. You know, I, I Nagelsmann is really interesting. Um, I, I think when he was at what was it, he was at Leipzig, a lot of really young, talented players. I think that Campos would certainly look at him and say, "Hey, if, if Messi's able to move on, and we can build this team up with some younger players, um, maybe he could bring some of the youth along, Isaiah Emery, perhaps." Nagelsmann is is a very interesting option, and I think if you go from Gaultier right now to Nagelsmann, I think you're getting an upgrade there. We we we're gonna talk a little bit about the the Bayern Munich game just uh, just because our old friend Tuchel's there. We'll wrap up the show with that. But he he's a he's a manager I certainly would take a long hard look at and see. But he's probably gonna want assurances given PSG's history with uh, coaches and how quick they move on. So it could be expensive, and we might have to make concessions to him. So. It'll be interesting. Um, Ethan, let's keep it moving here. Uh, move away from the manager situation. We want to talk about the summer transfer window. I don't know about you, but I am just absolutely loving every player linked with a move to the French capital. Um, all of them fill a need in the squad. They all seem like realistic signings. You know, there's been names like Kefren Taram, Marcus Taram. We've got Evan Indica. We've got Jean-Claire Tadibo. Uh, Ryan Sherkey, even our old uh, player, Musa Diaby. Um, but the rumor that I think that is getting PSG supporters most excited is the one uh, Napoli's uh, striker, Victor Oshman. And so my question for you is, you know, how realistic do you think that particular signing is? And would you sacrifice bringing in a few of those other players in if it meant seeing that the, the Oshman come in? You know, if you could bring in him, maybe him and maybe one or two other players, would you do it as opposed to maybe signing four or five players? 
That's basically what I'm asking. So where, which way are you leaning here? I'm leaning towards the way uh, I would prefer not to have Victor Osiman if that's going to be the case. Um, I, I don't see this uh, transfer happening. And, you know, it's funny when you mentioned that, you know, a lot of the transfers seem realistic and, um, you know, that they, they could really happen. I think that's probably because our sporting director is a, uh, you know, massive upgrade from Leonardo. That probably helps. Uh, I just think Luis Campos is, uh, if any of you follow me on Twitter, you know how much of a Leonardo hater I am. But um, I just think uh, Luis Campos is far more proven. He's way better at identifying talent. And it's pretty clear what he's done at Monaco. Uh, and Lille that he, you know, he, he knows what he's doing. Um, so that's probably why a lot of these transfers make more sense. And, uh, you know, it is just media speculation, but I just thought I'd point that out. Uh, but it's back to the the point that you said, I would rather get four five, six guys in than Osman and someone else. Um, I, it's tough. Cause I, I don't, I don't think it's ideal with uh, Mbappe playing, uh, up top as a nine, essentially, I think he's best on the wing, but um, which would make the Osman signing make make more sense. But I I still don't, you know, I would prefer to get. Um, I mean, we've seen this year that we we have a depth issue, and that was to be expected just because finances. We had to fix finances a bit, so it's why we only brought in six or seven guys and loaned or sold seventeen or more. But I, I just would rather get, you know, uh, a Toddy Bow, uh, one or two of the Turan brothers, uh, Cherokee. And then I think I would prefer if we're going to spend big money this summer. I mean, because if we're talking getting Osiman, that's going to be a, that's going to be a hundred million plus easily. If we're going to spend that kind of money on someone, I'd prefer it to be a truly world-class midfielder already. Uh, I just think if we had a midfield of, um, Verratti, Vitinha, who I see as you know probably the the best signing we've had this year. I know he struggled, but he's probably going to get to the point where he's going to be a, a Verratti esque kind of player. And then if we got you know if we decided that we wanted a uh, a ten, someone more like an attacking midfielder, or if we thought that we wanted a, a true six that we haven't had in a long time, uh, I think I going big on one of those positions, and then just kind of filling the gaps with free agents like Marcus Taram. Uh, Evan and Dicka, guys like that. I would prefer that over one Osimen and you know one other guy or two. But what about what, what? What's your thought on that? It's certainly interesting. He'll be expensive. I think well over a hundred million euro. Sorry, it's my dog shaking. Um, I, I but I think what is giving this rumor some fuel is that didn't Campos? Um, he, he had something to do. Did he bring in Osimen when he was at Lille? I think that's where the connection is. And that's why people think that this is a deal that could mm. get done. Everything we've heard is that PSG wouldn't have that much money to spend. But then there was another recent report that said they actually may have more money than they thought. I think whether or not they can bring him in depends a lot on how many players they're able to sell and what that transfer fee looks like. Um, I think I would lean towards you. As much as I do think we need a target man who can score goals and with Oshman and, and Mbappe would be fantastic and then you you know throw in Neymar on the other side if he can stay healthy that's a big if um, I think that would be a fantastic uh, attacking line but as I mentioned to start the podcast Soler Ruiz they're just not going to get it done in the midfield we don't know what the status of Kimpembe is going to be we saw him at the at the game against Lons um, afterwards on the mic he, he's in a boot I, I don't know 
I don't think he's ever going to be what he was. I, I, I hope that I'm wrong because I think he's, I just think he's a great person. He loves PSG. But our defense is in shambles. Even Skriniar's coming in and he's got something wrong with his back and he hasn't played in a while. We just have way too many holes to be spending $100 million plus on Victor Osman. So it's exciting and all of that, but hopefully Campos can pump the brakes and say – we can't spend that kind of money on that player. He's a luxury player, and we are a team that we are incomplete. We don't have, we can't go around doing luxury signings anymore. We did that with Leonardo, your your friend, and look at the status of the club right now. We can't do that. So hopefully, that's a deal that doesn't get done. Yeah, I think what's no, happening with, yeah. is they're using Campos, Ty, and PSG to inflate his transfer fee. If I had to, I agree. I agree. I also think that might be the same kind of thing. Not that he's got a tie to Jude Bellingham, but uh, I could see that as well. You know, oh, PSG's in the race for whoever just to uh, inflate the price. But I don't see us going for either of those guys. I, I don't think Campos has ever uh, spent big on any one player. Uh, not that he's had as much money at, at PSG that he's had at, at you know other league on clubs, but I think his most expensive signing ever is Vitinha this year for $41.5 million. So, I just don't see him as a guy who wants to spend big. I see him going after these guys that are 20 to 24 years old. You know, you see, sees the talent there. It's not like he's buying true diamonds in the rough because he's not buying 16 year old, uh, you know, Brazilian wonder kids like Florentino Perez at Real Madrid. But um, he, he goes for these guys who are just kind of up and coming. They're, they're, they're decent and people can see their potential, but they're not quite world-class yet. I feel like that's his uh, sweet spot there, but I'm also thinking if we bought Victor Osman, um, I honestly don't watch a bunch of Napoli, and I, I wonder uh, if he presses that much. But if he doesn't press that much, if he doesn't track back a bunch, we're still going to have two or two attackers who don't press that much or don't don't track back. We'll have Mbappe and then whoever the striker is. Uh, Neymar does a pretty good job, but I feel like you need two of your attackers uh, doing that a lot. And I feel like even though Mbappe he loves playing on the wing. It's he's going to have to be in this really um, positionless role, sort of where he's he's up top when when we're in d defense, and he's just kind of waiting back, seeing if a counterattack is going to happen. But then he's real with with ease. He can float off to the left, and I just don't know if a guy like Osman who's not going to depress is the right move. I mean, we've we've seen it um, just with having you know three attackers right now that didn't track back. It was basically eight on 10 a lot of times or eight on nine. A lot of times uh, when we're playing defense and that does, you know, certainly doesn't help uh, the defense probably is why we didn't keep a champions league clean sheet this year. But I'm wondering, I really think that um, someone like Taram Marcus Taram, I know a lot of people want him just as rotation. I'm actually wondering if he would be, and I, I hope I'm not the only one thinking this, I wonder how viable it would be to start him. And if he's going to be a guy that, you know, he's not super flashy, he's not going to have 40 goals in a season, but he's the kind of guy that might perfectly work with uh, Mbappe. And I don't know. I just, I wonder what that would look like. I want to see them play for France more together, but unfortunately um, Marcus doesn't get, you know, a bunch of playing time. France has some pretty good strikers. So uh, he, you know, unfortunately we don't get to see him a bunch. Yeah. We don't get to see him a bunch, but I just wonder if that might be a really, really good partnership. I've just got this feeling, but then again, I'm no tactical expert and, you know, Campos knows best, but whatever Campos is going to do, 
honestly, I, I think I trust him that, or uh, <clears throat> 99 or a hundred percent. I think I'm with you. Yeah. I think he's got the track record. I would trust if he brought in a player I'd never heard of. I'd be like, yeah, great. Let's go with it. Cause it's, it's a Campo signing. I also think that maybe he might want to look to the premier league. A lot of those players are on large wages, but it doesn't look like Liverpool are going to get in the Champions League. They qualify there in eighth right now. Chelsea are down in 11th. Um, I think that, uh, you know, Leicester City, even Southampton, if you're looking for some young players, they have a great academy and they're they're looking to get relegated. I wondered if you could look, because this is a very odd year for the Premier League. Are there players that you might be able to uh, steal away from some of these teams who or maybe have to save some money or who are going down or, you know, Chelsea, they spend big. If they're not going to be in the Champions League with financial fair play, could you maybe take a couple of players off their hands and um, and go with that? So hopefully Campos is taking a look there. Usually I wouldn't say that, but this is a very odd year. You wouldn't expect to see Chelsea in 11th. Um, so go ahead and maybe take a look there. Um, cool. Okay, well, we will certainly talk a lot more transfers because it's the most exciting part of being a PSG supporter. So we'll talk more about that as the season comes to an end and more and more rumors come up that are seem more realistic. So, uh, you know, keep listening and subscribe and we'll definitely talk more transfers. We've got two more topics left, Ethan. Um, I want to ask you, PSG, as we said, essentially have one hand on the league on title. So give PSG fans something to look for during these last seven uh, games other than the final score. What are you going to be looking for? Yeah, I'm going to be looking for uh, – I don't know if – I don't think these kind of guys like Soler and maybe Renato Sanchez, who's been injured all year, or or Fabian Ruiz, I don't know if they are quite uh, – I don't think they're set on the idea that they're probably leaving. Uh, unlike, I feel like, last year, guys like Paredes and Wijnaldum, I feel like they, uh, you could see on the pitch that they knew that they were probably out the door in a way, or they were going to look to get shopped. I still feel like if any guys have a, a pretty strong ending to the year, then they could warrant staying in the squad for next year. But that said, um, I, I do agree with what you said much earlier in the podcast, where I don't think, I think Solaire has probably been our worst signing of the year. Um, Ruiz is so hit and miss, and I just I think he's a decent midfielder, but just not quite the uh, you know what we need, or not not quite at the quality that we uh, need in the team. And and then Renato, it's way too early to tell. The guy's been hurt all year, but I would love to see guys like Garby in the midfield when we get little cameos of him. He's fighting hard. I'm surprised he hasn't picked up a uh, a yellow yet, a Verratti esque yellow yet. But seeing him, seeing Warren. Get some playing time. Uh, I know that we've got Ekatike uh, up top, but uh, if the club decides to just try and sell him basically as soon as we officially buy him this summer, then I would like to see see Ilyas uh, Husni play. Um, and then Bichyaba, we've seen a lot of him, and he hasn't been great. You know, he's just not great on the ball because he's, he's such a big guy. But I'm looking forward to seeing the young guys. I'm looking forward to uh, anyone who's a bit nostalgic about football. Uh, just watching the last seven games, probably the last seven games of the uh, Messi Mbappe connection, and um, I'm uh, yeah, I want to see these kind of guys that have been fringe players. Uh, unfortunately, Mukiele is out rest of the year. He in the Bayern match when he got subbed on, he uh, that was it for a season. He messed up his hamstring good, but seeing guys like that uh, that are not guaranteed starters, I want to see if they can show that they're they're going to earn a spot in the squad next year and you know who knows what the transfer season or the the window is going to look like but 
a lot of those dudes will be fighting for their for their spot next year. But what are you what are you looking forward to uh, yeah. for the end of the year here? The all good topics there to be looking for. I've got a few of my own. Um, Nuno Mendes has become one of my favorite players. So anytime PSG are on, I'm always glued to to what he's doing. He just every time he's so electric when he has the ball. Something's always happening um, when he's on the ball, and so whether he's assisting or you know, just sprinting past someone or making a tackle. He's just such an exciting player. So it, it, from that point of view, definitely going to be keeping my eye on him. You mentioned Ekatike. He's been a little bit weird. He had that whole dust up on social media where he like put sub something on his Instagram and everyone thought it was taking a shot at PSG. And he said, no, no, no. But like, he's not really playing. And I think towards the end here, he probably should be getting some minutes. And if he doesn't, I would say that that probably means that they're going to be looking to loan or, or sell him. Newcastle were interested in him last summer. Um, I agree. All the youngsters, Hausni, Zaire Emery, love to see him come in. Bitch Yabu. Um, lastly, I think I would be looking at Sergio Ramos. How does he play these last few games? Does he put his head down and is trying out there and he's commanding the back line and leading the team. If so, I would say that kind of means that he's trying to put himself in in the in the showcase. He's trying to show PSG, hey, give me another deal. I can I can do a job for you. I can do another season or two um, at here at the top level of football. So kind of like seeing what his attitude, how his performances are. So I'll be looking to uh, to take a look at that. So yeah, those are a few things uh, that and there's there's always more things you know. Hakimi with everything he's got swirling around how does he perform you know there's there's always you know Juan Bernard can he get anywhere near where he was before his knee injury there's a lot to pay attention to as PSG wrap up the season here we did mention Danilo he's been fantastic this year can he close it out and, and I really enjoy kind of like with Nuno Mendes I really enjoy watching him play as well so a lot to still keep you entertained and interested in the PSG season um Ethan, last question. Kind of a little bit off topic, but maybe not so much. Did you enjoy watching Thomas Tuchel and Bayern Munich get absolutely smashed by Manchester City in the Champions League? Because I certainly did. Honestly, I, I feel a little bad for him. Um, not, I mean, it's it's hard to say because I, I really respect Bayern as a club and I actually predicted them to win the Champions League this year after the quarterfinals, but that obviously no longer appears to be the case and uh i don't i don't have this kind of disliking for man city that that some psg fans do thinking oh they're they're our oil brothers and i absolutely hate that term but um you know but but i hate that term but i mean it's not like you know psg was not founded in 2011 just as man city wasn't founded in 2008 but um i will say though uh we definitely have more history than them prior to the takeovers but I won't open yeah. up that can of worms. Um, I mean, it's pretty obvious if you just look at the numbers. Just look at the Champions League games that we played compared to the ones that they played before takeovers. I'll give you guys a hint. They played two, a whopping two Champions League games ever before uh, they were taken over. But And, and PSG um, have had players but, before QSI that you've actually heard of. Manchester yeah. City... Not so much. Yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah, I mean, we, yeah, we've, we've got a, you know, obviously I always say, we're, you know, we don't have a history like AC Milan or Barcelona, but we've got a, a rich history and it, it is kind of an easy cop out thing to just say, oh, PSG got no history. But uh, regardless of that, like I said, I could talk for days about that. But um, I'm, I don't dislike Man City that much, but I, um, 
I don't love clubs that spend a lot of money, uh, us included. I don't like when we spend big. Um, the whole, you know, yeah, just the QSI spending has not been my my favorite ever. I do appreciate the investments they've done, but obviously uh, it's pretty clear that you can't buy success in football considering neither us or City have, have won the UCL yet. But it was, it was a bummer, I think, to see Bayern basically go out like that. Um, I, I think Tuchel's a great coach, but I think this this kind of goes to the fact that you it, you know if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh, not that Bayern were flying in the Bundesliga; it's it's still a race for sure, and they they just drew again this weekend. But um, if you're doing well in the Champions League, and you know they they hadn't lost in the Champions League yet, they had held uh, us, Inter, I think, and Barcelona scoreless. Those are three good teams, and no goals allowed. And, yeah, I just I just think that goes back to the, you know, the motto: if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So, I th- they've dug this hole from themselves, and I feel like this is a sort of, not that Bayern is unclutch or that they're choke jobs, but I feel like losing to who was it Villarreal last year because they don't know how to play against the low block because it doesn't exist in the Bundesliga, to this whole thing this year where. They've now basically hosed themselves with a managerial change because who knows how Nagelsmann would have done against City. I honestly thought they would have been decent, but uh, you know they look disorganized under Tuchel. But um, I don't know, hard to say. I, I do appreciate it though because if we get Nagelsmann this summer and he's really great for us, then obviously I'll be loving this. But for right now, it is a bit of a, a bummer to me to see uh, you know a great historic club like Bayern really shoot themselves in the foot because they honestly did this to themselves. And uh, I don't think you really have anyone else to blame. And um, I was, I was thinking, I was telling you right before the show, I was just thinking uh, not that it's the same, but you'd never see in American sports or not in any sport that I watch that, you know, say in the NFL, you're going into wildcard weekend, the thick of the playoffs are starting and you fire your, your head coach. You just, you'd never see that in the, uh, in the NFL or, um, I don't know. It's just an odd decision. I feel like from a sporting perspective on paper, yes, Tuchel looks like a little bit of an upgrade, but um, I don't know. They, they had a, a pretty good thing going with Nagelsmann. And I know a lot of Bayern fans see Tuchel as uh, they've called him a quote unquote mercenary. You know, he just jumps from club to club. Uh, he's just there a year or two. And then after he's won a little bit, he, he dips because he doesn't get along with the management. But um, let's see if that happens again. I feel like this this poor start definitely doesn't help, but a lot of Byron fans really respected and uh, revered Nagelsmann. So, but I know you already spoke on it a little bit, but kind of what do you think? Like, if you want to elaborate on on your thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah, no, I, I did enjoy that just because you know Bayern Munich is a, is a club with a lot of history and all that, but the club itself and their fans, I don't know, they, they have this like attitude that they're better than everyone. Like they come into our stadium and say, well, you charge too much for tickets. And they'll go into other stadiums and say, your ownership sucks. And it's like, mind your business. You worry about your own club. Don't come into our stadiums telling us what prices should be for things. So they just have this, this arrogance to them. So the fact that they decided that they're going to sack their manager, who was still at that time could have won four trophies, and then they bring in Tuchel – and after like a few weeks, they're down to like one trophy potentially. <laughs> it, it's just, it's pretty incredible that that happened to them. So they have egg all over their face and I am thoroughly enjoying it. 
Um, I also did enjoy seeing Bernardo Silva score because he's a player who always seems to step up in the Champions League, and he's another player that's been rumored with a move to PSG, so I guess I do enjoy seeing him. Erling Haaland is just out of his mind right now. No one can stop him. Um, so I did enjoy seeing Tuchel and Bayern end up with egg all over their face, and they just think they're better than everyone. And so, yeah, it was nice to see them. I wish it wasn't Manchester City that did it because I don't want them to win a Champions League before their oil brother uh, PSG. Um, so I don't know. Hopefully, if, if City does move on, hopefully that there's another team that can take them down because I would like PSG to be the first um, well, they they yeah. would be playing Real Madrid though. So would you yeah. take Man City in the final or Madrid? Which you know I I don't really I, I don't Real respect Madrid either. One. Who cares? Yeah, point. I guess. Yeah, whatever. I guess they have so many. It's, yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of like uh yeah yeah whatever. Might as well. Whatever. May as well add another one to your trophy cabinet as long as City stays uh, barren of Champions League titles. That's fine with me. So, all right, Ethan. Um, let everyone know how they can find you on Twitter. Yeah, I'm at PSG underscore Boise. Fantastic. And, of course, you can find me at PSG Talk. Head over to PSGTalk.com. We're also on Substack where you can find um, columns from Jonathan Johnson, myself. Uh, I mentioned the podcast or on, on the Gaultier situation. Uh, that you can find us at PSGTalk.substack.com. It's free to subscribe. We've got tons of subscribers to so go over there and do that. And, uh, yeah, thanks so much for listening and subscribing. Leave us a review if you can, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks, everyone. Bye.